good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victors. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Karagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. And this portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Yes, they do. And hey, uh, you sounded really good there in the beginning, Ogama, and then you moved your mic and uh, <laughs> sounded a little funky. Hey, we uh, discuss native news and events, uh, and this is where you hear news that you don't hear anywhere else. I just want to give a quick shout out. We have an update from uh, State Senator Mary Kunish, and then we're going to be talking uh, to Paul Domain about uh, the snow, st- snow snake. That's hard to say. Say that three times really fast, Ogama. You know, I feel like I should just learn it in Ojibwe, and that would probably be easier than doing it that way. (laughs) Good call. Good call. And there's a big uh, competition happening up in Madeline Island, so uh, we're going to hear about that. And uh, I do think that uh, John John John, uh, from Ho-Chunk Nation, who won last year, is going to go back up there and kick some butt for Ho-Chunk and... uh, so that's uh, exciting to know, to uh, hear. But I'm um, keep babbling here. But why don't we get to Ogama with the news that you don't hear anywhere else? Welcome, Ogama. Hey, Buju Anin relatives. This is Ogama Ganuakwe. I have some news and event information for you here for Native Roots Radio. Uh, as Robert said, I guess we're just going to start there. The annual Intertribal Snow Snake Festival is happening in La Pointe, Wisconsin, on Madeline Island. This, uh, excuse me, next Saturday, February 11th, starting at 10 a.m., we're going to have Paul Domain uh, come and talk about that event and uh, how people can get there. Um, in, in just like as a sneak peek here, people have to snowshoe, cross-country, snowmobile, dog sled, walk, take a ferry, or take an ice road. So, I mean, just getting to this event is an adventure. Um, and I actually have something going on that date, or I might consider uh, making the trek out there, but really Really excited to uh, talk about this event and learn a little bit more about uh, Snow Snake Game. I actually haven't uh, ever had the opportunity to play it, so I'm excited to learn a little bit more about it today. I do want to remind everybody uh, that next uh, week, or excuse me, yeah, next, the week after next is the annual uh, Day of Remembrance or Red Dress Day for our missing and murdered Indigenous relatives on February 14th. Falls on a Tuesday this year, and uh, there are lots of events and community things that are happening related to that. In the Twin Cities, uh, Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition is hosting their annual march, which is leaving from East Phillips Park. And then um, in Duluth, the American Indian uh, Community Housing Organization is also holding a march. And MMIW218 Bemidji is also holding a march and event. As always, remember to wear red on that day. Um, And there is a call at almost all of these events, I believe, for dancers, um, drums, rattles, um, and uh, people who are willing to come and share the story of the relatives that they um, are missing and, um, you know, would like justice for. I know in Bemidji, uh, they're still looking for a young girl that uh, went missing a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, it's just, it continues everywhere, Robert, uh, worldwide that we have these missing and murdered Indigenous relatives and uh, it needs to stop. So hopefully this year and here in Minnesota with the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives Office, um, we see a little bit more action taken on these. But for now, um, this is what we do and what we can with our teams and our cultures. Um, you know, a little Oldham, bit of sad. Uh, uh, oh, let me just ahead. cut in. Sorry. Um, you know, one of the most powerful things during that day is when uh, people call out the names of uh, 
uh, people that are still missing uh, up to 30 years and that uh, their, their relatives are still missing and uh, uh, that brings everything into perspective there on that day. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to, to uh, mention that, that it's pretty, pretty intense too. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to this event where I haven't cried um, and, and felt, you know, that level of connection with those people who are uh, missing somebody or um, have lost somebody. And uh, many of these people, like you said, have been missing for an extended period of time and uh, they don't have any help or assistance from um, police or other people in locating those relatives. So, um, I do have a little bit of um, sad and, and, you know, news. I'm just, I'm not really even sure how it, it kind of renders me speechless. Uh, but an actor from the uh, acclaimed movie Dances with Wolves, which we often call Dances with Kevin Costner on the show, um, was actually arrested in Nevada in a sex abuse case. Uh, AP News reports that last Tuesday, Las Vegas police uh, arrested Nathan Lee Chasing Horse who goes by Nathan Chasing Horse, and he was taken into custody um, out of his North Las Vegas home, where he is said to share it with his five wives. Um, he was taken into custody and remains in custody. And um, he was known for his role as the Smiles A Lot uh, Sioux tribal member in the Kevin Costner film. Um, but since then, he has, um, it seems been ongoing and having um, allegedly having um, un sexual allegations um, with underage uh, girls um, and has at least six alleged victims um, and uncovered sexual allegations dating all the way back to the early 2000s in multiple states, which include Montana, South Dakota, and Nevada. Um, and he's lived in Nevada for about the last uh, 10 years. And uh, nobody's commented on his behalf yet, uh, but Chasing Horse, like I said, is still in custody. Um, in 2018, he was banished from the Fort Peck Re Reservation near Poplar, Montana, on allegations of human trafficking. Uh, but that is not something that the uh, the federal government or the U.S. government had any say in. That would have been directly from that tribal nation. So, um, you know, it's really unfortunate that our tribal people and tribal nations knew what was happening with this person. And uh, it took this much longer. I mean, 2018 to 2023, that's another five years that this person was allowed to continue to hurt people. And when we talk about MMIW, sometimes this is part of that. Um, unfortunately, as well, Nathan Chasing Horse um, also believed that he was a medicine man or a holy person um, and basically used those spiritual traditions to sexually assault young girls. And um, that is an absolute, um, an absolute shame against, um, the native beliefs and, um, it, it doesn't line up with the native beliefs at all. Right, Robert? Right. And he was arraigned today and all his wives were sitting in the front row and it was pretty, uh, gross and despicable, uh, along with his brother. Uh, I, it's just, it's just, uh, uh, not good, me not good medicine to, uh, even really, be around that, but I think it's great that you're bringing this up because it's very important to um, acknowledge our uh, sisters and brothers uh, that have been abused in this way. That uh, we're here and we're gonna not going to stand for it. So again, Ogma Pinigi for bringing this story up. Yeah, and you know, reports are in too that um, you know on the note of the wives, um, according to AP News, one of the wives was allegedly offered to him as a gift when she was just fifteen, right, and then became wife to him after she turned sixteen, which is also, you know, I wonder if there's some brainwashing and things like that that are maybe happening with that. And well, it's a cult like I, is what they were saying. Yeah, it's uh, it just goes so deep and so dark and it breaks my heart to have to talk about it. But it's important to acknowledge that sometimes, you know, these things are happening directly in our communities. So our prayers are up to those families and uh, we will be following the story as it unfolds. Yes, uh, very sad. But thank you again for bringing this up. It's uh, very important to talk about and, and not hide behind these things that happen in our community. Uh, he was running a cult, and uh, he's going to pay for it. Um, so, hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Up, uh, we're having Paul Demain coming up, and then up next, State Senator Mary Kunish. Uh, you are listening to Native Roots Radio presents. I'm awake. Stay with us. Native Roots Radio. 
Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt-A-Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts, plus you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org slash adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by. Stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence and shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, we've had uh, Mary, State Senator Mary Kunish on every Friday, and you know they've been so uh, busy passing bills and moving and grooving at the. Uh, at the House and the Senate, we're going to, uh, we have an update that she sent us uh, via her phone, so let's get to it right away. Here's State Senator Mary Kunish. Oh, happy wash day. Uh, good evening, everybody. This is State Senator Mary Kunish from Minnesota. I hope you are all staying warm as there is a polar influence across the country. It's pretty chilly up here in Minnesota. It's January 12th, 2023, and I'm sorry I'm not there with you in person, but we are in the middle of our legislative session, and there is just so much going on that I am not able to join you in person. So I thought I would give you an update on some of the good work that we've been able to do here in Minnesota. For those of you that don't know, um, Minnesota has a majority ruling in both the House and the Senate by Democrats, and then we have a Democratic uh, governor. So that means that some of these issues and legislation that we have been trying to um, take care of and um, problem solve basically for a number of years we are now able to do that, and we're moving right along. Some people would say we're moving uh, recklessly, quick, uh, lightning speed, those sort of things. But when we haven't been able to uh, do much of anything because of the gridlock between the two uh, political parties, even just going from zero to two is like, you know, the wind blowing in your hair. So I am really pleased to tell you a little bit about the good work that we've been able to do here in Minnesota. Two things that we're especially proud of that we passed out of the House and the Senate and then our governor uh, did sign on to was the Crown Act. And the Crown Act is uh, a law that prohibits race-based hair discrimination. And what Crown stands for is creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. And it is unfortunate that uh, people are still um, discriminated against because of their hair, what it looks like, their hair texture. And so um, the Crown Act um, 
forbids any kind of denial of employment or educational opportunities because of hair texture or protective hairstyles. And that includes braids and locks, twists, or bantu knots. We also um, codified Juneteenth as a, a holiday in our state. Uh, Juneteenth is a holiday and considered the longest-running African-American holiday. Also, it has been called America's Second Independence Day because it commemorates the emancipation of enslaved African-Americans by combining the word June and 19th. And June 19th, uh, 1865 was the day uh, that, uh, that, that um, was proclaimed freedom for slaves uh, in Texas. And so uh, we will now be observing that as a legal holiday here in Minnesota. The other important thing that we've done here in Minnesota is pass the PRO Act. That was a 15-hour straight debate on the Senate floor. And uh, what we did is we passed House File 1, the uh, Protect Reproductive Options. Uh, This bill protects Minnesotans' rights to contraception, the right to carry a pregnancy to term, and the right to an abortion. And it ensures the right to privacy for personal reproductive health decision. It also um, has some preventive language in there, uh, any kind of interference by politicians who would want to enact or defend medical unnecessary barriers to comprehensive reproductive health. And so here in Minnesota, we enshrined in our statutes protection for all reproductive health care, um, and that means not limited to contraception or sterilization, preconception care, maternity care, abortion care, family planning and fertility services, and counseling regarding our reproductive health care. Minnesota is a mecca in the Midwest. We are the only state that has legalized abortion, and we are seeing the effects of our neighboring states having outlawed that with um, uh, women coming for abortion care, but also coming to Minnesota for care that their own doctors are afraid to to handle because of the ambiguity of the law. So this is going to help uh, with some of that. Last night, we also had a nine-hour session on the Minnesota Senate floor, and we passed here in Minnesota uh, a bill carbon-free by 2040. And so that would make, um, oblige our Minnesota utilities to transition to 100% carbon-free electricity by 2040. And uh, we really, really are intentional about stepping up the fight against climate change. And so um, we were there last night until very, very late, as I said, nine hours on the Senate floor, but we did pass it. Unfortunately, it was party lines. In the Senate, we have just a one-person majority, so we really have to be um, careful with whatever we're doing to ensure that we're able to pass those laws. Um, another thing that we did, um, that I did, I carried, a, I'm carrying a bill called Increased Teachers of Color and Indigenous. We really have to increase the number of uh, teachers that reflect our communities and our students. And so this uh, bill is a very comprehensive bill from recruiting teachers of color to supporting them um, financially and in other ways when they do their student teaching. Um, And then also some efforts to keep those teachers in our schools after they've uh, gotten their license. We know that teachers often leave within those first three to five years. And so there's uh, uh, dollars and support to um, to support uh, mentorship and retention of those teachers. And we're hoping to increase the percentage of teachers of color and indigenous annually by even just 1%, that would give us 630 uh, new teachers of color. And then the last thing that we had a good conversation about, I have a bill that would update, would allow to uh, a committee to be formed to update our Minnesota flag. And those of you out there, um, I would encourage you to look up and see the image of the Minnesota flag. It's actually 
Um, very busy. The little seal in the middle is very, you know, like I said, busy. But it also has the depiction of um, a Native American riding off into the sunset and uh, um, the settler, you know, taking hold of the land, plowing it. Um, and, and there's other depictions in there that for years people have been talking about the inappropriateness and the racial um, disparity that it presents and encourages we had a lively discussion with our Republicans, um, but at the end of the day, that bill did pass out of the one committee in the Senate and will be moving on to the next committee. Uh, and hopefully this is the year that we'll create that committee to look at um, some really cool designs, actually, that have already been suggested. So that was another good thing that happened this, this uh, week. Coming up in the next week, um, we will be hearing uh, a bill that I put together that will update and basically uh, enforce ICWA laws in Minnesota. So ICWA is Indian Child Welfare Act, and um, it is a, a, a federal law that was developed to protect the, the long-term interests as defined by the tribes, and our American Indian children and their family. Uh, and really and truly, we want to maintain the integrity of the tribal family, um, ensuring that when there are troubles in a fam in a home or of our Native folks, that those kids aren't removed uh, nilly-willy and put into non-Native foster care homes or homes that don't uh, reflect the, the cultural relevancy of those those children and also recognizing the tribal sovereignty and, and responsibility uh, that our tribes have to those, to those uh, children. And so in Minnesota, we have what's called MIFPA, Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act. And we've spent the summer and a number, hundreds and hundreds of hours um, enforcing and bolstering our MIFPA laws, which is like the Minnesota ICWA law. And our first hearing will be coming up on Tuesday. And I'm very excited for that. We have a lot of support, um, not just by tribes, but outside of the tribes. And it's been a real concerted effort to put this together. So I'll update you with that next week. But in the meantime, uh, thank you, Wopilatanka, Pinagigi, Pilamia, to all of you that are paying attention to your own state legislators. If there are issues that are important to you, make sure you reach out to your legislator and let them know. Stay warm, everybody. Take care. Wow, that was uh, State Senator Mary Kunish with a, a, a unbelievable uh, update. A uh, lot of things going on, Ogma, uh, down at the Capitol. It's pretty amazing when you can you have the trifecta going and you can get some things done. Yeah, it's really good to hear about all the progress that's being made. And to um, we're really blessed to have Mary join the show with us and to have somebody who's able to uh, put it into easy terms for us. Right, and talk for 10 minutes straight. That's important, too. I can probably put together a sentence uh, for maybe a minute or two minutes uh, max. But, hey, update, we got Paul Domain, and we're going to talk about Snow Snake Festival up north and uh, how they're going to beat John Green Deer. Oh, we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Metro State University empowers students to expand their knowledge and advance their careers through high-quality bachelor's and master's programs in high-demand fields. Looking to complete a four-year degree? Metro State has more than 60 undergraduate programs to choose from. Hoping to move into the next level of your career? Find out which of Metro State's 25-plus graduate programs is right for you. Visit metrostate.edu for upcoming info sessions and to apply. Spring registration is open now. Metro State University, where learning meets living. Don't drive too fast or you will miss Scott Jamama's Hot Barbecue. Scott Jamama's offers huge taste out of a little place. Located at 3 West Diamond Lake Road near the intersection of Nicolette Avenue and West Diamond Lake Road in Minneapolis, this tiny hole in the wall offers mouth-watering baby back ribs, grilled chicken, and half-pound pulled pork sandwiches. Don't forget to add the potato salad, spicy baked beans, twice-baked potatoes, and delicious desserts. Find their winter hours and full menu at scottjamamas.com. 
The appliance industry is suffering from major delays with shortages on the horizon. The specialists at Warner Stelling have the area's best selection with thousands of appliances in stock for fast pickup or free delivery. Shop 10 Minnesota stores or at warnerstellion.com. Hi, I'm Peter Solak. And I'm Adam Ostrowski. We are here at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces to talk about the joy of live fire cooking. Cooking over a live fire is the oldest and most basic form of cooking. What's new is in the way a fire is handled and its heat is managed. It's easier to experience and enjoy the smell and taste of food cooked over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces sells and installs live fire grills, fire pits, and ovens. Let us help you experience the smell, the taste, the fun of cooking with fire. Pizza was first made and is still best made in an open fire oven. The radiant and conductive heat of a live fire is unmatched for wood roasting and baking artisan breads, too. Come see the many ways you can cook over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces has over 35 working wood and gas units on display at the corner of East Franklin and Riverside Avenue in Minneapolis. More information at woodlandstoves.com. Find the fire that works for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. Hey, it's Patrick. February is the month for love, but when was the last time you gave your carpet the love and attention it really deserves? If your carpet hasn't been professionally cleaned, you are breathing unhealthy levels of nasty dirt, dander, bacteria, and germs that keep recirculating again and again. And what's worse, you're going to be stuck inside breathing that nasty stuff for months. Lucky for you, Zero Res is going to spread the love for you and your home with their Love Your Rug special. Get three rooms zero resified from the Twin Cities' number one carpet cleaner starting at just 119 bucks. Plus, this month only, they are throwing in a free hallway to sweeten the deal. But hurry, this deal won't last long. And because love has no limits, Zero Rest is going to take 75 bucks off your air duct cleaning. You owe it to yourself and your family to breathe healthy, happy, and clean. Call Zero Res right now, 952-ZERO-RES, or go online at ZeroResMinnesota.com and say you want the AM950 special. Zero Res. End-of-life decisions are not easy to make. Hi, I'm Mary T. of Mary T. Hospice Care. It's important to make sure that this difficult time is meaningful and comforting to you and your loved ones. Our hospice team provides an individualized program of physical, emotional, spiritual, and practical care so your loved one is comfortable and not in pain. At Mary T. Hospice, we understand that choosing the right hospice care provider can be overwhelming, but we're here to assist you. Learn more today at MaryTInc.com. With your AM950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly cloudy skies tonight with a temp rising to about 9, Saturday partly sunny with a high near 30, and Sunday partly sunny with a high around 32. Now is the best time to switch to solar. The electrical grid has limited space, so don't delay before someone takes your spot. If you'd like to learn if solar is right for you, check out All Energy Solar's free winter webinar series. Visit allenergysolar.com slash webinar to register for an upcoming event. Bijou. I am Oshawashko Gijig. I'm from Red Lake Nation, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Hey, this portion of the show is brought to you by Ramsey County. If you have not yet gotten your COVID booster, you still have time. You can find more and schedule your appointment at ramseycounty.us slash booster. Hey, we have the great Paul Domain here, and we haven't talked to Paul in a while. And I think uh, we could have Paul on the show about many things. You're chairman of Honor the Honor the Earth, and uh, uh, but we we have you for this intertribal, and it's hard for me to say Snow Snake uh, Festival that you're having up there. Welcome, Paul, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, have our listeners know what it is, how it came about, and all the great things that are going to be happening in a week from now. Welcome. Miigwech Ogima and Pinigigi, Robert, for having me on your show. And Bujua Kinindinoi Maganaduk Skabewis Indigeni Kaz. And I'm broadcasting from the beautiful Lakuturi Ojibwe Reservation of the great Chippewa Nation today. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, we're getting ready for snow snakes, and uh, I'm not sure where you can start, but this is something that's uh, a great revival uh, throughout Indian country. Uh, It is part of a revival of what is really Indigenous Olympics. And uh, when I was reporting with news from Indian country, uh, we carried quite a few articles over the years about the Alaska 
Olympics and the Olympics up in uh, uh, Canada, uh, where a lot of these traditional games uh, seem to be more in their complete form. And, and the variety of things that are going on are extensive. Snow snakes is just one of them. Uh, working to increase your capability, uh, hunting skills coming off of the old javelin throws and accuracy and, and strength and precision and those kinds of things are all things that uh, are, are helpful skills for any indigenous person or any person to, to try to acquire. And so uh, snow snakes just really represents one uh, component of uh, the indigenous Olympics. Uh, what's interesting is there's a huge revival of it, like uh, the language, like the culture, uh, like lacrosse. Uh, we're beginning to see snow snake festivals all the way across the Great Lakes. I know Bay Mills has ones coming up and uh, Red Lake may have already had one or there was one in Bemidji. And so you're beginning to see, I think, what's developing as like almost a snow snake circuit, just like the powwow circuit, where you have a contest powwow circuit, you have a traditional powwow circuit, you got hand drums going on this winter all over the place. And so there's a lot of activities. And this is, I think, just part of the general revival of indigenous people doing their own thing, uh, the the games themselves were outlawed by the federal government in the 1800s. And so on Madeline Island, we have no evidence that uh, snow snakes or lacrosse uh, was played there the same way it was done traditionally before the banning uh, by the U.S. government in the 1800s. And the U.S. government was mainly banning these types of games in part because a lot of these games came with redistributive uh, economic uh, policies and game rules and so forth. And so you had a lot of uh, wagering going on between clans, between individuals, which is similar to giveaways at Medicine Lodge or giveaways at Big Drum Chidewagon Society uh, ceremonies, uh, giveaways at powwows and so forth. There's always been a lot of economic redistributive policies in our community. And that holds true with um, lacrosse games and snow snakes as well. Snow snakes and lacrosse being utilized by the judiciary uh, of the Ojibwe Nation to settle those disputes that uh, couldn't uh, be settled within the consensus arbitration uh, making process within a tribe. Uh, and during winter games, you have several different kinds of uh, snow snake categories. I, I, I was looking at Grand Portage. They had a wide variety of snow snakes up there. Some snow snakes you throw into fresh snow. And the more times you can get that snake, it's a little short one. I wish I had it here, but it's up on Madeline Island now where we've repositioned a lot of our supplies and food and everything. Because part of the challenge is getting to Madeline Island. Now, we didn't have, <laughs> we didn't have a problem for 11,000 years getting there. But now that people have cars, uh, there's this situation where people say, how do we get there? Uh, right now, the ferry's running. Mm -hmm. And so people are taking that. That runs uh, 75% of the year, but it's also freezing up. They're beginning to shut down a lot of their routes and everything back and forth and doing much less traveling. And when it finally freezes up and they gave notification that they'll be running into the next few days yet with the ferry, when that closes up, then they go to a wind sled. That's how mm -hmm. everyone from the island gets back and forth. The students get back and forth. It's a nine-passenger wind sled that uh, you can carry a, a suitcase and a box or two in it. Uh, but it's it, it may limit the capability of people to get over the island. And so we want to make sure that people uh, check with, uh, you know, Google Madeline Island snow sled. Uh, there is nothing at their phone number right now because they're not open, but they have prepositioned their uh, wind sleds up on the hill. Uh, getting ready. They're already marking the ice road. That's the other way to get to the uh, island after wow. freeze up. And when the ice is at least, I believe it's 14 inches thick that they're looking for to be able to sustain uh, uh, a medium-sized car, uh, they'll be uh, allowing cars then to just drive over. It's a one-mile uh, ice road. It's a one-mile walk. It's a one-mile cross-country ski uh, grab your dog sled and come over, grab your snowmobile. <laughs> uh, there was many ways to get to the island historically, and uh, we managed to do that. So part of the challenge is getting uh, to the island. And once you get to the island, uh, Joni's Park in downtown La Pointe is where people will be gathering. There's 
a warming uh, tent there. The church across the street is opening up uh, for warming and coffee and soup and sandwiches and so forth. We've got a core group of about 25 to 30 people coming in. Some of the names are familiar. Uh, last year, we had Dan Ninham, who couldn't make it this year, but his brother Paul's going to be there. Bob mm-hmm. Schimmick's going to be there. Uh, we got a lot of people who know Snow Snakes uh, who will be there, and that's the core group who will uh, rewrite the Madeline Island Snow Snake Manual because oh. we can't find one yet. So we're going <laughs> to rewrite all the rules or decide whatever we want to do Friday night and Saturday morning. A lot of people well, will the- be around. Yeah. Last year, uh, John Greendeer won, I heard, uh, and we had to have Bill. Bill came down and op- uh, set up a snow snake for our uh, young ones here in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I had to go down there and show my skills, and uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, is yours going to be elevated, did you say? Uh, uh, well, we Again, here's where you get into different categories, different types of snakes, different types of throwing. The short stick I was talking about before is not very long, and it's got a, mm-hmm. a, a curve on the front. You throw that snake into snow, and and as many times as it comes out and goes back in, those are points. Uh, wow. Bob Schimmick from Red Lake brought a game that uh, people in our area hadn't uh, heard of or hadn't utilized very much. is a hoop game. You have a bunch of people lined up against a backdrop and you throw the hoop along that edge and people are maybe 40 or 50 feet in front of it and lined up and there might be a dozen or 20 of them lined up. And as that hoop goes by, people are throwing their snakes and trying to get through that. There's another hoop game where you put a can out in the middle of this uh, of the lake or a field and you make big bullseyes around it. You're throwing snow snakes on flat ice, flat snow or a field. And you hit the can, it's 50 points. If you get the outer ring, it's 40, 30, 25, and so forth. That's another type of snow snakes. There's storytelling games. There's string games. There's javelin throws. There's all kinds of things that can be added around the snow snake track itself. You're talking about a a ramp snake, which we use for the... And, and we tried to follow the KISS, so keep it simple, stupid theory. <laughs> and that is, is the prize winner of the day in these cases. And we had five categories. We had a youth category. We had men and women 55 and under, men and women 55 and over, uh, who threw. So there was five categories. John John Green there only took one of those categories. So he was only <laughs> one of the five top winners. And uh, he threw a 241-foot winning uh, snake uh, on Saturday last year on February 5th. But Vicky Finday, uh, one in the Ojibwe women, 55 and old, older category. Brittany Greendeer in the uh, Ho-Chunk, uh, 54 and under women. Randall Blackdeer, Ho-Chunk youth. And Bill Quackenbush, 55 and, and over. So John did the 55 and under category. And uh, we know he has some secret potion that he puts on his snake. So we're all going to here. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I was throwing those uh, snakes that Bill brought down for the youth, and uh, the bigger ones, at least on the ramp snake, uh, the bigger ones that were uh, waxed up went, you know, a long way. Uh, and so I was, like, feeling kind of proud of myself when I was whipping those down. <laughs> well, and the variables are many. Uh, for a good uh, professional snow snake uh, player, and if you go out the East Coast, there are seri- very, very serious about it. Don't miss their rules out there. They're very firm. They're uh, historic, and uh, they play really, really hard. Um, there's, you know, all kinds of different sizes. And so, again, the longest throw, whether you have a javelin snake, whether you have a flathead snake, whether you have a mud cat, which is a shorter snake, um, the variables are immense, just like on the cross-country track. The number of lubricants could be, 50 or 60. Some people swear by doves. Some people swear by bear grease. Some people say bear grease coagulates. But you want to think about the weather changes as well. If we have uh, warm weather and it warms up the day before and then ices that morning, we may have a really slick track in the morning that takes a certain kind of wax uh, on your snow snakes to mocha by afternoon. The snow is more mushy. You're going to have to change over. Someone who really does their snow snakes professionally would like carry like a pool cue package. Your, your, your snakes are going to be wrapped up. They're going to be taken care of. No one touches them. They're shine. Uh, they got your clan colors on them. You got their Indian name on them. They've got you know, all the things that are going to make you 
make you a winner on the snow snake track, including one woman who last year, I think, uh, brought her snow snake that had two diamond diamonds embedded into it uh, from her wedding ring originally in the front end of the snow snake. And Mrs. Snow Snake was a winner up in Ontario, so she brought it to Madeline Island. She wanted to get it off her bucket list, and this was nice. the first since the 1800s. So lots wow. going on. Lots of fun, but really to the Madeline Island Snow Snake Festival, it's a re- being reinvigorated. It's much more like kind of a family gathering, friends and relatives getting together, feeding each other and having a good day. Uh, the competition is secondary and it's important, but it's not really the reason we're getting together. It's really to do things, uh, get out during the winter months, reinvigorate our language. Uh, water protectors are coming, people who love water, outdoor sports, understand nature and everything. Uh, these are the kinds of things we do during the winter to get out there and get some sun in. And we want to see everyone up there for Shoshimin Slippery Sticks. Right on. Hey, Paul, thanks for stopping in, man. That, that was a great report. Love to have you on more. There's a lot of stuff going on in Indian country and love to touch base with you later. I really appreciate you coming in. Right. Wabaman and uh, like call those phone numbers and make sure you got a ferry or your car or a wind sled to get over there. But come on over. We'll all be working together to make sure people go back and forth. Thank you so much. Great, uh, great segment. Thanks again. We'll be right back. Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. We are your relatives. We are your relations. Brothers. Sisters. Sons. Daughters. And and some some of us are your grandchildren. We are your community. Historically, we held places of honor and respect. Because of the impact of colonization, some of us are rejected, thrown out from family, friends, and community, set up as targets for sexual violence, sex trafficked, humiliated, tortured, and murdered. Everybody has the right to be safe. We are your relatives. Remember, homophobia is not traditional. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Take care of your community by joining Metro Transit's Adopt a Stop program. Show your community pride by adopting a transit stop. Join us in helping keep the stop and your neighborhood beautiful and report any maintenance needs to us. We'll put a sign at the stop recognizing your efforts. Plus, you'll get 10 free rides every month. Get details at metrotransit.org adopt. Again, adopt a stop for Metro Transit. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves. Please join Howling for Wolves on Wolf Day, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023 at the Minnesota State Capitol. You can sign up on Howling for Wolves event page. Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Ho! Welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, one more time. This portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. <laughs> hey, cool. Hey, uh, Ogma, uh, what, what a great uh, two segments of this show. Uh, awesome. You can tell Paul's a pro. I only had to ask him his name and he talked for 11 minutes. It was awesome. And boy, a lot of great information. Yeah, I mean, it's really wonderful when we can get these cultural, um, these people that are working on cultural uh, anything, really, um, and just learn more about it. I always, that's probably one of my favorite things about this job is I just always love hearing about those things. Yeah. And, you know, uh, one of the things, too, uh, that's interesting is that uh, 
we uh you 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 have a lot of news going on during the week and uh sometimes uh some of the things uh don't make it on the news and we kind of got opportunity right now if you have anything that uh you'd like to talk about that uh time didn't permit this week uh, it'd be great to hear uh some more news yeah sure so uh there's some news uh kind of from the art world here um on native roots radio um, there's some art projects that are happening and things that are just really exciting uh, that we don't really, like you said, get the time to uh, talk about. And one of the ones that I wanted to highlight is a um, art thing that is being, and I, I don't know if it's it's a gallery, it's, it's a lot. Um, so it's an art installation and it's a community exhibit and it's done by Miri Villiard um, and, it, and Carla Hamilton. And the opening reception for this is February 17th from 6 to 9 p.m. Um, at the Prove Gallery in Duluth. And it's on to view uh, February 17th through April 14th. And this uh, is related to, um, you know, those of our relatives um, who have been through uh, treatment services and those types of things. It's an experimental duo exhibit which features paintings, mixed media work, and digital illustrations by Mary Villiard and Carla Hamilton. And the artists have drawn upon research, personal experience, and community input to create artwork that explores what happens to people in crisis during their wait for a bed. So the exhibit is called Waiting for a Bed. And this exhibit seeks to challenge the normalcy of the phrase in social services and healthcare and up uplift the voices of those impacted by the weight. It navigates themes and data connected to mental health, addiction, hospitalization, incarceration, homelessness, domestic violence, and any other areas of crisis in which the term waiting for a bed is common. And I am just so excited to see something like this coming out in the art world and really wanted to um, uplift Indigenous artist Mary Villiard about this and um, the work that she's done, um, it's funded by the Minnesota State Arts Board, the Clean Water, Land, and Legacy Amendment, Arrowhead Regional Arts Council, um, and a lot of others. So there's a lot of support for this program and uh, this um, exhibit as well. So um, that is one of the ones that I wanted to talk about. And then also up in Duluth is uh, Anjatun, which is Ojibwe art through a contemporary lens. And this is art of Nadonna Green and Caitlin Nawago. And that opens uh, tomorrow, February 4th, and runs until March 31st. And uh, the reception again is tomorrow, 8 to 6 to 8 p.m. Um, at the ICHO or the American Indian Community housing organization robert paulus cultural center uh that is an awesome um event that is happening as well robert i i bet you probably remember nadonis green uh she did a wonderful calendar for us with uh line three oh. uh pictures yeah definitely yes. um and uh the calendar was uh of all the warriors right or yes all yes. the women warriors that she shot um, also, too, Ogma, there's a big powwow at uh, Mystic Lake in Shakopee this weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just a second here. Had to clear my throat. Uh, nope, that's okay. And the grand, one of the grand entries on Saturday is, is 1, and the next one's at 7, and then they'll have one at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, just to let our people know that are in the area or coming into the Twin Cities uh, this weekend, uh, it's a great thing to do is come to the powwow. It's open to everyone. Um, just be respectful. If uh, if you don't know what's going on, ask people. They're, they're, uh, it's open to the public. And uh, always try to make the grand entry because that's when all the natives come in and, and dance. And it's kind of a, a parade of dancers. And, uh, and it's going to be a big powwow out there because, uh, you know, it's the middle of the winter. And Ogama, we're all uh, jonesing to get out. And I know... Tomorrow, oh, yeah. Minnesota is going to be here. Uh, it's going to be in the 30s here in the Twin Cities, where today it, it didn't even get up to below zero. So people will be revving up to to go to that, and I'm sure, and all the other things that you can do in the Twin Cities and all over the Upper Midwest and Wisconsin. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I just want to give a shout out to Jean P, uh, who just joined us as a patron on Patreon. Uh, just Ooh. now, the alert came in to me, so miigwech to you. <laughs> 
for joining us as a patron on Native Roots Radio. Um, I do have one more art thing before uh, we run out of time here, Robert. Um, Minneapolis College of Art and Design um, has the McKnight Visual Artist Fellowships for mid-career artists. So these are artists that are um, working already, but the 2023 McKnight Fellowship application cycle is now open and the deadline to apply is Friday, March 17th, 2023 at noon central time. The McKnight Fellowships for Visual Arts has rewarded talented Minnesota visual artists whose work is exceptional is in exceptionally artistic merit and who are at a career stage beyond emerging. They have six $25,000 fellowships in the visual arts category uh, to award, and the focus of the fellowship program is to connect fellows to the national and international visiting critics. If you are interested, if you're an artist, uh, head on over to MCAD, mcad.edu and uh, look for the McKnight with a K, M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T, Visual Artist Fellowships Program, um, or, you know, maybe punch that into Google um, and, you know, get in there and get that fellowship, get that work. Um, Art is just as important as uh, work as anything else. And I think in some cases, even more so. So shout out to all of our artists who are um, doing that work. And I got one more uh, shout out to a fellow uh, water protector um, who is in the process of uh, or who has or is expected to lose their mother very soon. So Mm. just wanted to put uh, prayers up to Kendra and uh, her family right now. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that prayers up and tobacco down, as they say. Um, I just want to like just remind everyone too. not only do we have a Patreon, which is is great. Thank you so much, Pini Gigi Jean, for uh, for. for donating uh, a monthly amount that that keeps us going. And also, uh, I just want to say this past week, you can listen to any of our shows on uh, iTunes, Spotify, on AM 950, uh, uh, Facebook or uh, uh, website, and we're all over. And if you want to see what our guests look like, we're on YouTube, and uh, we're also on Facebook Live. And it's always a privilege to be out here and uh, Ogma and to, and to share uh, people's knowledge. And I learn a lot. Uh, when Wendy does her animal section, I learn stuff all the time, her sacred animal section, about what's going on and, and, and what's happening in the news and what's, uh, what's, what's happening in Native Americans in a good way, in a bad way. We uh, applaud our our victories and um, push on with our defeats. And uh, it's been a great six years and, but, and it's been a great week. So uh, please listen to us. We had a a great Paul play uh, author uh, on, and we have uh, Minnesota historical society and things like that. So I just want to say Pina Gigi for all the work you do, Ogma. And I want to say special thanks to state Senator Mary Kunish for dropping in with a, with an update and Paul Domaine with a great update about, uh, it's hard for me to say, snow snaking. uh, Hey, if you're listening to the show, you are part of the resistance from Chief Plenty Coops, the ground on which we stand on is sacred ground. It is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now.